Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we have on another guest. She is an author. Her name is Kat Gina Cole. She was raised in a magical system by her mother and grandmother and was initiated into the family tradition at age 13. Over the following years, her grandmother taught her the key the ways of the hedge witch, wart cunning, and the knowing, which is a mix of clairsentience, personal gnosis, and psychic ability. Often working with her grandmother in the garden, Kat became passionate about herbal medicine, her insight of which are often discussed in her Facebook group, Herbal Academy uh, Alchemy. By the age of 18, Kat was adept in clairvoyance, UPG, dream work, astral travel, mediumship, and empathetic skills, all of which she then went on to use in her work as a dual diagnosis counselor. At the age of 50, she stepped into the public arena of paganism through the Rowan Tree Pagan Ministries. There, she began teaching and became an ordained pagan minister and high priestess. In 2016, she founded the Coven of the Rising Phoenix, where she taught her three-level curriculum. After securing a contract with Llewellyn Publishers, she released her book, Psychic Skills for Magic and Witchcraft, which was released this past February of 2022. Today, we have Kat Gina Cole with us to discuss that book. So without further ado, Kat Gina Cole. Kat, welcome to Paratruth Radio. We're happy to have you with us. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure. Now, we're having you on our show to talk about your book. Um, there's a lot of, we've had a lot of guests who've come on to talk about magic and uh, various crafts, but some of them have had different, I guess, description or ideas as to what magic was. So just to begin here, I'd like you to just give us your definition of what magic is. Magic is everything. Magic is around you all the time. Literally magic can be everything and anything it's all about perspective and belief and the power of your will that you put behind them one of my earliest public teachers told me that magic is what you think say and do that's a simplistic phrase but it's very inclusive you know um, there's way much more to it you know what do I think magic is? Magic is the way we live. Magic is the way we think. Um, I mean, it can be. Not for everyone, but it can be. Magic used to be writing and math. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so a blade of grass is magic. Can be magic. Or it can be mundane. And so if I follow along with that, you can see how diverse it can be. Right. Now, it's and, interesting uh, that you bring that up because uh, when, when everybody else thinks of magic, most times than not, they think of Harry Potter. And it's not that's, even close. That's, that's very true. <laughs> you know, um, Especially in the world of social media, you know, if it isn't <laughs> ceremonial or spells or a spell jar, it's not magic. You know, well, certainly those things are magic, too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I grew up out in the country. I, I'm 
pretty much just a country hedge witch. I have been initiated into hermetic magic by Phaedra Bonowitz, um, you know, later here in life. Um, so I know both aspects of it fairly well. Um, and yeah, and it can be anything in between. Okay. It's certainly not Harry Potter, although <laughs> uh, my beloved friend Oberon Zell has, has made a lifestyle out of taking bits and pieces that are magic out of movie out of movies in Hollywood. Okay. So here's a question for you. And I, I think we've probably asked this of a couple different people because uh it, it seems to be a common uh aspect. Are all witches uh do do they have the psychic abilities or is it you can have one or the other or What's your, what's your opinion on that? Certainly. Um, there are many faiths and beliefs and individuals who practice psych psychic skills that do not practice magic. They are magic and psychism are synonymous and symbiotic and yet separate things. They can be all of those things. Um, you know, Certainly, Sylvia Brown was more what we call today Christio-Pagan. Um, then there's someone like Sibylique, who is all of what we perceive as magic and witchcraft. And there's a lot of the metaphysical beliefs and Buddhist beliefs and Tibetan beliefs that mm -hmm. use um, psychism and do not practice witchcraft. So you can have, be a psychic and not be a witch, and you can be a witch and not be a psychic. Okay. Fair enough. So when it came to, I guess you said you're a hedge witch. I mean, is that something that you kind of grew up into? Did you have a choice of what direction you wanted to go? Like, what is it that, ultimately made you decide, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to be working uh, with herbal medicine and plants and you know, that kind of thing. Well, that is a misconception. Okay. Most people think that being a hedge witch is just about herbs and medicine. It is not. Second, I was raised in this tradition by my mother and my grandmother, um, but was given a choice which I'll describe in a second. Okay. Um, back to being a herb, uh, hedge witch, pardon me. Hedge witch, in my tradition at least, um, is someone that has certainly the herbs and the medicine and is tuned in to the vibrations and environment and magic around them at all times. So they effectively walk two worlds constantly, no matter what they're doing. So that brings that psychism aspect into it. But it also has a little bit of a shamanic aspect to it. I use that word only because more people are familiar with that. I am not what I would call a shaman and don't claim that. Um, but it is shamanic-like in that a hedge witch using psychic skills can go across the hedge or what some call the veil and learn things and bring valuable things back and it is shamanic in that way and as far as uh having a choice what made me choose First, I typically tell people I've never not been a witch. I, I can't even remember a time I wasn't. Um, however, I was given a choice when I was 13. Um, it was quite the summer. I had to go to a handful of various Christian churches and, ex and read the Bible that summer. Um, my mother, I grew up though, my mother took 
Christ was in the New Testament, just on my own. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, you guys aren't teaching what was really taught in the beginning if your Bible is true. Um, no. And I just couldn't. Well, I have always been a willful brat and I could never conform. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so the craft was definitely more natural to me. Okay. I missed all of that. <laughs> <laughs> you left. Yeah. I find it very oh. interesting, the Christio-Pagan movement right now. Um, because there was a short time when I was either pagan or christian it can't be both you know even and yet evolution in an evolutionary way i've come back to my christio-pagan roots through my mother and i've been i'm connected to a lot of groups on facebook and i've actually ended up being an advocate for some of that i mean i've always had kind of an interfaith belief set anyway because of my mom Mm -hmm you know um and i always have to kind of roll my eyes or laugh a little bit you know when folks are like either or and i'm like wait what what was that you said about gatekeeping last week (laughs) yeah Yeah. they don't don't like that very much No, I, I believe that. No, I grew up in the in Roman Catholic Church. So they were always very strict. And then became a born-again Christian in 2009. And again, it was always one or the other. But with my dealings in uh, just in the paranormal community, uh, working along with so many different people with various backgrounds on faith and practices, and I've come to re- the realization that there are similarities between a lot of these different beliefs and faiths. Uh, and there are, of course, certainly very big differences as well. And it's really just comes up to, I think, ultimately the, the practitioner or the person, the individual to choose what is best for them. Uh, you know, in the end, we don't really know which, you know, if there's a correct path per se, you know, all we know is what's happening right now in our lives, this very moment. Maybe we can foretell the future to some extent, but ultimately, you know, it, we're, we're kind of just learning everything as we go. Uh, and, and it's really interesting that over the last two years, we have probably had more conversations with people who are in that kind of uh, Christian-pagan uh, system where they're, they're Christians, but they're also practicing witchcraft or they're, they're Christians and they're also practicing, you know, whatever this other thing is, it's weird. And, and you know, it's something that's been like that in uh, New Orleans for a long time. Uh, with Haitian uh, hoodoo coming up, becoming voodoo, and they have that Christian uh, slash voodoo kind of thing going on there, which is incredibly. Back then, it was like I'd say early two thousand eight, two thousand nine. When I went down there, it was very weird still for a lot of people. Like it's it's an odd combination, but over the last couple of years, it's become more and more prominent, and it's developed into like, oh yeah, this is a normal thing. This is how a large majority of these practices or these faiths are nowadays they're kind of you know they're 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 kind of interwoven together to some extent they're blended yeah and in hermeticism there is something we call the middle pillar okay i can't go into a lot of that i mean there is a certain amount of that available openly on media but it is an initiated close practice for myself and uh, Israel Rigardi writes a lot about the middle pillar. Okay. And my mother <laughs> used to say a lot of things like, look, that prayer is actually an incantation. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and she would make these, point these things out and different things like that. You know? And um, it's quite some time ago, I think, probably around 2010 is when I started kind of seeing the blending begin, you know, and it's okay, you know, because in the end, it's your beliefs and your practices are personal to you. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's some fuss about what is witchcraft and what isn't witchcraft. And certainly there are some earmarks that make witchcraft witchcraft. But um, what you practice, no matter what you call it, is personal. And it's what resonates within your core. And I think that's where this movement is going. You know, um, and a lot of people back in 2010 were kind of talking about at that time about how all paths lead to the same place. You know, and certainly there's room for that. Sure. It, it's, you know, and I, I, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, your mom said that there are some things in the scripture or prayers that sound like incantations. And one thing that I've noticed that is, very similar to to witchcraft, for example, um, you know, in, in order for certain spells to work or some, you know, whatever, you you have to have a certain imagination and belief behind the system, right? So the idea is that if you believe in it, that can manifest something through ideas. And when you look into the New Testament and when Jesus talks about prayer, uh, and the disciples talk about prayer, they often say that in order for that prayer to come true, you must believe in it and believe that you've already been given, you know, that prayer that's already come upon you. And it's very similar, right? So it, it, you know, it's definitely shows some sort of connection there, at least in the spiritual sense or the sense of that there's a quote unquote magic uh, behind it, you know? Absolutely. And what you described there really is psychic skills because, you know, you're using your will, Mm-hmm. You're using your belief, you're channeling all that into a particular focus and outcome. That's what you think, say, and do. You know, one of the other things that I learned about my 13th summer was that, like you said, there are so many similarities to so many faiths. And one of the things, the other things that mom used to say about truth in particular is there's a truth over here and a truth over here. And the real truth is somewhere in the middle, right? Belief and faith and witchcraft, magic, Abrahamic faiths, religions, all of them are the same way, Mm -hmm. you know, in those similarities probably is the path. We've said the same thing about the supernatural and science as well. There is there is an in-between. You can't just have both and not have something in the middle because at one point, at uh, way back when, you know, religion and science were one, and then the Catholic faith, uh, religion was like, nope, that person said something, <laughs> science is no longer a part of the religious part of it. Yes, I blame the Puritans for the separation of our world, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, absolutely, you know, and I, I absolutely love when science catches up to us witches. You know, those things that we've been doing for a very long time, science will come out and go, oh, this is true. And it's like, well, duh. <laughs> you know, um, I see a lot of that, you know, uh, especially... Oh, I think one of the, my favorites was watching something on television about fractal, um, it was quantum physics and fractal something. And it more or less proved that you could send a thought back in time or across a distance. Okay. I was so excited about that. You know, it was like, 15 years ago (laughs) so I don't remember all of it you know but I was like see you're proving it but you're just not calling it what we do (laughs) right right and the worst part is is they're going they'll they'll call it something else and then take full credit of finding you know quote unquote (laughs) finding it that's the sad part yeah it really is you know one of my favorite uh, paranormal people was Rosemary Ellen Guiley okay and um, I had one of her books and I had the opportunity to chat with her once or twice. And she's just a great light that has gone out. And, um, you know, we spoke a few times via email about certain paranormal things and, and how they, they blend and mesh with 
everything, not just witchcraft and psychism, certainly those things, but they don't belong solely to that category. They, they almost are a category of their own. And, and in one interview, I was kind of, somebody asked me, what's the difference between the paranormal folks and the psychics and the witches? Well, there's a certain amount of paranormal folks, as with any group, that go more with the sensationalism of it and the fear and the woo-woo of it, you mm -hmm. know? And us witches and psychics are going back, sitting back there going, dude, I do that crap every day. <laughs> you know, because we have a skill set, you know, it's stuff that we practice and do. Right. You know, and, and that's really the only serious to me definable difference between the categories. Okay. Well, even in the, the just what you call paranormal people, you've got the people, you got the Bigfoot people, you've got the UFO people, you have the ghosts, uh, paranormal investigators, and nobody can agree on anything. But the same goes for <laughs> those other areas as well. I was just going to say, and that's different from paganism, how? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or Christianity. Or, right. Yeah. <laughs> And that was the kind of the basis of the show was because I I had came back to faith with Eric in 2009, but my beliefs were not as strong as his were in Christianity. So I believed in a lot of things like being psychic. I, I was psychic. I was becoming psychic, opening my gifts. Um, I, I believed ghosts were more than just demons. I, you know, I believed that, uh, you know, aliens were more than just demons. And the original concept of Paratruth Radio was to bring both of them together, not necessarily to change each other's opinions, but to bring both truths out and then let our listeners decide. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You know, and I'm, I'm totally agreeable to that. And I, and I, it amuses me that in the, um, world of paganism and witches, it's still not comfortable or as easy to talk about being a psychic it's weird mm. you can talk about witchcraft all you want <laughs> but when you start talking about deeper stuff like visions and experiences with the gods for example or astral travel in particular it gets a little more uncomfortable and i believe the reason for this is three little letters u p g unverifiable personal gnosis because all the majority and this is why so many disagree the majority of the paranormal and psychic events that occur to us are personal gnosis no two people have exactly the same thing right you know I mean, you can have a like belief, but you will never have exactly like experiences. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. And I, I think I believe that to a to a hundred extent because like you're you're saying you can follow the same path and it can break off a hundred different ways. Um one question I did have for you about the book, you, you talk about a bunch of different psychic skills in here, which, and you, you go into to, uh, the exercises you can do and all of that. Um, do you have all of the skills in the book or are, are these skills ones that you have plus ones that you've, you've talked to other people about that they have? I have all those skills. You do. Okay. I have had, I have, I have grown up with all those skills and had to learn how to manage them, cope with them, wrangle them, you know, discipline them, you know, all that. Yeah. And it, and it isn't easy. It's not an easy job. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> 
when it comes to develop, I mean, I feel like it's, it's one thing to develop those skills and I'm sure it takes a significant amount of time to, to master them. Um, but like other skills, like more physical skills, are these something that if you don't practice them regularly, you can become rusty with, or is it once mm-hmm. you're their master? Okay. okay. Yeah, you can become rusty and you can lose them and you can bring them back. Uh, sometimes when you bring them back, they're not the same or won't be as powerful. I know that as a young person, I experienced them being way more intense than when I put them on hold to, you know, work and go to school and live life. Um, And then came back to them. It was much harder to get them back and um took more work which you know part of that lesson a lesson that came out of that was the knowledge that as adults it is much harder for us to do these things than it is when we are kids if we have them when we're kids or younger and we continue with them in some manner then they become a lot more manageable. And then there's people who freak out about them and just can't manage them. And, you know, it's all those people I wrote this book for, (laughs) you know, uh, because it just, it became a thing. Like first, I know I can't be the only one like me out there and I'm not that unique. And um, for the people later in life, I experienced who through my work had been diagnosed with lower what I would call lower level mental health issues really didn't have lower level health mental mental health issues but rather had psycho psychic spiritual issues and it was because they had no one to discuss this with them, no one to identify these things for them. So they felt it was mental health and they were broken and needed medication or some other assistance or whatever, you know. And, and that was something that really, because I only had my mom and my grandma, I too did not have peers of a like mind. So I could really identify with that. And I went, hold the phone. I got you. <laughs> I'm writing this book. <laughs> <laughs> Eric and I have talked about that numerous times on air as well as off air that um, how many people are in a psychiatric ward or are diagnosed with uh, whatever mental disorder or disability. And really, it's not anything at all other than nobody's taught them how or walked them through that you're actually you, you have psychic gifts. And um, I, I've had conversations with this with numerous people as well. And everybody is always like, oh, yeah. But nobody will say, you know, you're I, I think you're right. And and I feel that that it has to be looked at more. But in science, we won't. It's not socially acceptable in many circles, you know, and I have cared for people who that is certainly the case for them but because they have been so socially conditioned they cannot agree in their head or give themselves permission to believe that what we're saying to them is correct because they're so socially conditioned it has to be a demon it has to be evil it has to be mental health because these other things are just bad and it's unfortunate. And those are the folks that break. Those are the folks that my heart really goes out to. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's, it's um, you know, it, it, again, it's like really just, I mean, science has kind of taken over the mainstream. You know, we'll, we'll watch TV and we'll see commercials. People who have mental health disorder call this number, you know, get psychiatric help. But can you imagine a day where it's like, hey, people who have this disorder, you might, have a gift, reach out to us and we can explain it to you. Like that'd be incredible. Not going to happen anytime soon, but it'd still be pretty cool to have those kind of commercials, right? Like teaching people new ways to combat 
these quote unquote mental disorders instead of just dousing down a bunch of medications and hopes that so I mean, I've taken medications in the past for depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, and they've ultimately all failed uh, eventually, you know, and you know, and, and it's like, even now I'm taking a, a pill for uh, anxiety, and it doesn't help it helps me fall asleep at night. But that's about all it does. Uh, you know, so there's the, you know, I, th I think a lot of people just they're just so caught up on this idea with like, oh, but the doctor said, and they have all this education, so it must be, but they're not considering, well, what about in the past, before there were these doctors with these high-level educations, you know, who are these, mm -hmm. uh, like all these uh, medicinal herbs that were used in Native America and in Haiti and in Africa, you know, that helped people, if not cure, at least manage some of these conditions. Um, and there's plenty of evidence that points to the fact that some of these old world cures were just that they were cures. They were helpful more mm -hmm. so than medication, especially in the fact that many of those quote unquote cures weren't um, addictive, like modern medication is. Right. right. You know, what did they think the shamans did? Right. Um, you know, you spoke to something that's kind of close to my heart, anxiety. Okay. In my book, the first three skills I set out are pause, sense, and scan. Now, the majority of what I discuss in the book for those three skills has to do with psychic skills, magic, and witchcraft. However, that those three skills go way beyond that. They are so healing, it is not even funny. I have seen them do amazing things in myself and in other people. Believe it or not, I have stage fright. I have public speaking anxiety. It was so bad in 2010 when I came out of the closet for the first time at the age of 50 um, that I would stutter, you know, uh, and you know, my heart's beating and just all the stuff is happening and, and I would almost cry. It was that bad. Mm -hmm. And um, in one of my televised, or not televised, but video presentations since the book, the first one that my husband got to see, he heard me pause and he stopped and he listened a little bit more and then he stopped the video and he looked at me, he goes, how did you do that? I said, what? He says, you paused. And when you paused, I was expecting you to lose it, not be able to speak well, lose your train of thought, see your anxiety, or to see you just start blurting stuff out top speed, right? It changed because of the pause, sense, and scan skills. It has all but cured my stage fright and stuff like that, at least for about 45 minutes. And my ADHD starts kicking in. It's like, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I, I'm working on that part now. <laughs> and um, so first you pause. And where it comes to anxiety, you take inventory. What's real? What are the facts? Breathe calm, think, right? Once you've done that and you're kind of feeling yourself, then you sense, what am I really feeling? What's really, you know, going on around me? Again, it kind of focuses on the facts. You have to let yourself believe it. You have to let yourself hear it and feel it, mm. you know? Then you scan around you looking for the facts. Is there really any reason for me to feel this way? Does anybody else know I'm feeling this way inside like I think they do? No, they never really do. You know, um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've presented now where friends and stuff of mine know I'm having a bad day for whatever reason. And they're like, no one would ever know. And it's because of that pause, sense, and scan. 
Now, am I saying that that will cure all anxieties? No, just like faith healing and stuff like that will not help all people. And it is because, and there's such debate about this, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's about belief. Mm-hmm. If they don't believe it, they don't accept it and they don't take it in. There's, it's not going to work. And then yet those people are the ones to say we're fakes. You know, so the pause, sense and scan will work in psychic skills and paranormal paranormal skills. You even see on like the, the ghost shows, they use it. They stop, they listen, you know, they pause and check out what's going on around them. And so the paranormal folks use it. The psychic folks use it. The mental health folks use it. There's something of real value in there and it's vast. I'll quit preaching you. <laughs> <laughs> I call it teaching, not preaching. It's a difference. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, it, it's funny that, that you talk about all of that because uh, um, I, I did a paranormal investigation for a friend of mine uh, for her business. Um, and I, I think I'm going to have to go back and do it because I let her invite friends over to be a part of the investigation. Um, I tried to, to, control what was going on but in the end they were just loud they were obnoxious they were carrying on and um i could not get them to stop talking so that spirit whatever was there could answer so instead it was constant talk 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 i've i and i've listened to some of the audio and i'm like i am not gonna get it (laughs) from this because they were so loud um and, and kind of we try not to do this on the show as of late but kind of going back to what you were talking about uh, uh about people being scared of their gifts and stuff um i had somebody just recently ask me uh this weekend uh this past weekend w- how i can do what i do meaning being in the paranormal um and not get scared and I said, honey, I've been doing this since 2009. If I can get touched by Jeffrey Dahmer's ghost in his childhood home and still be doing what I'm doing, nothing is going to scare me. Um, but I can see how being scared of stuff will keep you from, like like you're talking about with the, the psychic skills, because um, we've had a, a friend of ours Katie Turner, she's she's a psychic medium, um, and has told my wife Shelly, you do have gifts um, if you want to explore them. And she's said multiple times, no, I I I would be so afraid, I, I wouldn't even know what's going on. I I don't know how I would handle it. And I give her a lot of credit for that because she has that ability to say, I don't even want to go down that road. I've opened that door, so I can't even stop that road anymore. <laughs> yeah, I do tell people, be sure of what you want, you know, because sometimes once you open the door, it's hard to close it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I applaud her too. And you talk about fear. Um <laughs> I get a little of that too, you know, and in witchcraft, witchcraft is a transgressive practice. It's supposed to take you out of your comfort zone. It's supposed to challenge you much like the paranormal does, you know, and um, if it doesn't, you just start diving as deep into it as you could. And um, a lot of people ask me kind of like you were saying, how can you do what you do because I tell people I have very little fear of much of anything you know I don't really fear for my physical safety uh, much to the demise of some of my family and uh, so um, and I don't really fear much on the other side Uh, and it's because cause of my practice and experience that I don't fear it and boldly go forward and 
for example, one example that keeps coming up uh, with students and other things when we talk about this, it's like, okay, so when I have been out on the astral and I have X, Y, Z happen, and some of it is pretty gruesome, or I've been in a tarot trance with justice, the justice card, and I have watched, calmly watched him pierce my chest with his sword and fill his scales with my blood and looked at him and went, next. You know, there isn't a lot that's going to spook me. There will be things. Always will be things. No one ever mm -hmm. has it all, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And inevitably, I shoot my mouth off in some fashion to the universe. You know, uh, my most recent example is, uh, what is that? This Adam Cut the land of hypnagogia the author of land of hypnagogia and he talks about <coughs> excuse me he talks about the abyss and he talks about nietzsche and some other things in his experience you know and the whole time i'm reading this is like my attitude sort of about the paranormal is like hey we got this you know it's okay it's it's just everyday stuff right and the universe was like, hold my beer. You think you know everything that's in the abyss? Let's go. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so leave it to me to shoot my mouth off and for the universe to hear it, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, one question I actually have for you, and not that I... I thought you feared anything here, but for some reason it made me think about it. Um, but I think it was like chapter five you're talking about invisibility um and you have mentioned was it an astral projection that you did that took you to the realm of air that um, was actually it wasn't an astral projection that was actually a magical assignment okay so you did a magical assignment that took you to the realm of air where you happened to meet the archangel Raphael uh and these beings known as a sylph um, two questions. One, what is the sylph? Cause I've never heard of that before. And two, you did mention that you were kind of, that you've had issues with angels in the past. And so you seem kind of, uh, more or less timid to meet him. Can you just talk, tell us a little bit about that? Like, what are these issues by chance? It wasn't so much timid. It was agnostic. Okay. Um, I had an experience when I was younger, somewhere between 13 and 15 years old. There's some kind of mental block and vagueness or different things that have happened in there. Um, but the short story is I kept rejecting the archangel Michael because he wanted me to be a truth teller and a truth bearer. And I was like, don't want nothing to do with it. Long story short, he held me down, you know, um, without going into a lot of detail. He held me down and forced this conversation on me and was like, you don't have a choice. You are a seer. You will see people's truths. And kind of like you were saying about your wife, you know, it, it was like, no, I don't want to, but you don't have a choice. So there was this fight, you know, and I resented it, especially going into puberty and being a kid and all this other stuff, you know, and being a willful brat that I have always been. <laughs> uh, and so that was about the time I left the church too and had nothing more to do with it. And so later on in life, when I start learning about the hermetic practices, they very much use the angels. And I remember telling my teacher, nothing to do with angels. That's a deal breaker. We can't learn about the hermetic practices without the angels. So I had 
to face all that conflict, you know, and how I felt about that is also the other reason why I'm rather amused that I'm coming back to my Christio-pagan, you know, past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had mostly resolved a lot of that anger and resentment through the help of my teacher, uh, which was Phaedra Bonowitz. And um, was able to go on to the assignment, you know, and part of the assignment, mm, I better be careful how much. Okay, part of the assignment, of course, was to go into the realm of air and become acquainted with it. And you do this through trance and vision while awake. And so those were the psychic skills that I used to have that experience. And it was amazing, as I had written in the book. It was just amazing. But, you know, that also just kind of what I said about the angels and stuff talks about how transgressive witchcraft can be. Mm-hmm. So your experience then with Raphael was significantly different, much more impactful in a positive way then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I still don't trust Michael. You know, we're going to have to have talk. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like like fairies, they're not all sweethearts. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah now what was your second question eric again oh uh during that saying you, you had mentioned the sylph as well uh it's it, your your explanation in the in the book is very intriguing and especially in terms of how they're able to basically rearrange their molecules to become literally invisible and that kind of helped you uh i guess helped you kind of master your craft of quote unquote invisibility so i guess just what were these creatures exactly or or these beings um were they like angels or something completely different well they are very different they are not angels okay they are more what might be called elementals okay elemental beings which means they are that element so Mm that you talk about a master of an element that's it you know and they can live within and move that element at, e- at e- with ease because they are that element. Okay. I couldn't tell you what they look like because in my UPG um, event, they had a basic kind of ghostly like shape, but I knew, I guess, telepathically what they were. Mm-hmm. And did they, did they speak to you or was that more telepathically as well? Cause did, I think in that chapter, you had said that Raphael kind of pushed you along with them because they'd be able to take you further into the realm uh, for better understanding. So was that something that was just like you used your intuition to follow them? and learn what you can, or was there some sort of actual communication happening there? Oh, it happened clairvoyantly, telepathically, okay. and intuitively. Okay. It was immersive. Oh. Except for someone like myself, I'm just like, it's almost hard to believe, but it sounds so cool, you know? It sounds it's like, really what cool. does that mean, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I get you there. You know, I don't want to leave you short, but uh, let's see. How do I say? Okay. It was like living a dream. Okay. That's about, that's about the only thing I can say about that to give someone like you that hasn't experienced it a little more of an idea of what it was like. Okay. It is like actually living a dream. Wow. That's amazing. It is. Yeah, the, the experiences one has out on the astral or in dreams or in psychic dreams, and I make that distinction in, in the book as well, you know, it's very definitely one thing to read about it and very different to have the experience. Right. All right, Kat. Well, it is about the time where we usually let our guest go so i want to give you a chance to tell everybody where they can find you find the book the mic's all yours 
Thank you. I have had a blast being here. Thank you for the opportunity. You can find my book at Llewellyn.com or Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. It's on Kindle. And um, it's Psychic Skills for Magic and Witchcraft by Kat Gina Cole, my very first book. And I wrote it from a lifetime of experience. And um, you can find me at catginacole.com. I have most of my articles and stuff there, but I also have a blog there that talks about psychic skills. And I have Earth Witch Cat Gina Cole on Facebook and Instagram. So you can find me there. All right. Oh, and I have an okay. author page at Llewellyn.com too. All right. Kat Gina Cole, thank you for being on Paratruth Radio. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You guys have a good night. Thanks you too. You too. All right. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, folks. That was Kat Gina Cole, author of Psychic Skills for Magic and Witchcraft Developing Your Spirit, Intuition, and Clairvoyance. We're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear Eric's random fact of the day, a quick commercial, and we will be right back with Fair Truth Radio. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. One of the origin places of the canary bird species is Canary Island. However, did you know that the Canary Islands are not actually named after the bird? According to blog.prepscholar.com, the Canary Islands, an island nation off the northwest coast of Africa, actually got its name from Canis, which is a Latin word for dog. At one time, early sailors landed on the island, found it overrun with wild dogs, and gave it its name. As a result, the bird species canary actually got its name from the islands and not the other way around. This was Eric's random fact of the day. (laughs) Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads. But this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Paratooth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. So what was your takeaway after this? I, I've read quite a bit of this book, actually. And it, like I couldn't finish it, unfonetunately, before the tonight's show. But it was so intriguing. I'm going to end up finishing it because there was just so many things that I had questions about this kind of answering. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you were uh, in your reading, but... What is kind of your takeaway tonight after speaking with Kat? Um, well, I didn't get a chance to read as much of the book as I wanted. Um, but um, pretty much, she, she kind of pretty much touched base on everything that we've kind of heard from, from other people in either witchcraft or being, being psychic. And I think that um, a lot of the beliefs that she has, I've already had for a long time. And some of the stuff she talks in a bit about in here that the skills, I mean, um, I haven't necessarily had an experience with, but it'll be interesting to see, um, if I ever do, Mm -hmm. um, what were, what were some of your thoughts and what made you like reading the book? What made you, go through it so so quickly compared to maybe other books uh, well i mean it, 
for me, it's always nice when chapters are a little shorter or sections. I definitely like when some of these books are broken into sections and her sections are relatively small for most of, most of the story, uh, most of the, the um, descriptions or teachings that she, she was uh, writing about. And each one is just like, you know, I, I get them with a section and like invisibility, for example, you know, like, naturally that's intriguing like what do you mean invisibility right right so i had to read about that um but that was kind of how it was like I, i'd read a section and i get to the next subheading and i'm like oh what is that and then i read through that and then the next subheading like i've never heard of that what is this you know and that's kind of how it just it guided me to progressively go further and further and further on it um and you know i, I think for someone like myself who has the, and it's something I've been considering for a little while now, um, because I have the, the sensitivity to negative energies and I kind of want to expand on it. You know, I want to go deeper into it. And I think reading some of the content within her book has kind of helped me th- or, or helped me more so consider, I guess, the type of steps to be taking to kind of get my mind into that meditative state that would allow me to open those doors. Uh, and I just found that very interesting. So have you noticed anything as of late? Because we, we just talked about, um, doing a a smudging on yourself. I I don't know if you did the entire house, but, um, and some things have happened where it was like, well, that worked immediately. Um, (laughs) and you can share that story or you can't, that's up to you. But, um, have you noticed that you feel any different after doing that? Um, I don't know if I feel different or not. I feel but I think I feel somewhat more clear headed slightly. Um, okay. You know, some of the things I, I, I cleansed myself or smudged myself. And then I did go around and smudge the majority of the house. I didn't do the basement. And there's a couple of rooms I just purposely didn't bother with because I don't go into those rooms that weren't that important to me. Um, but, you know, I, I smudged the studio, the living room, the statue room, you know, the collectible room, the bedroom, things like that. Um, kitchen. And, you know, in this particular case, when I was smudging, I also went with like affirmations and commands, you know, um, affirmations about who I am or what I believe, who I believe I am uh, as an individual. And then commands, of course, directing negative energy away, especially my quote unquote demons. Um, And when that happened or when I finished that, I, I did feel a kind of ease or lightness, you know, and I also felt a headache. Uh, which could have been just the strong scent of white sage because it's very potent. Um, also, could have just been the exhaustion from dispelling negative energy because you have to put a significant amount of energy into getting rid of energy. Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's got to be a lot of intention behind it. And I think for, for someone who hasn't done it since 2009, which is insane to think about, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I forgot what it was like to put intention into something like that, into a, into a energy or spiritual cleansing. So yeah, you know, I felt, I feel like there's things are a little lighter. I still think there's some issues that I'm working on. I'm still trying to find guidance in some things. And that's something that I've been reaching out to God about. Um, and of course been reaching out to any other elements or guiding spirits as there may be, uh, to kind of reach out in my dreams and help guide me in the path I'm supposed to be going. Cause you know, I I feel like I'm in a place right now where there are multiple paths that I could take and it's almost overwhelming for me. And the biggest fear that I have, which is only based on uh, my own experiences is the thought of regret because I've already had to deal with that multiple times here over the last several years. And I don't want to make a decision that I'm ultimately going to regret. And the problem is, I don't know that, you know, I don't, you don't know what path they're going to take and, or if that path is going to lead to regret. So it's like reaching out to the guiding spirits and to God to kind of help guide me. So I don't make another poor decision um, right. is something that I'm trying to do here. So 
Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, there's been a couple of things that have happened in terms of trying to find work and things like that, that just kind of happened overnight. And not that there's anything coming of it, uh, no fruition in it, but there were interviews at least, uh, which was really cool, especially since they were the only jobs that I applied for, considering the limited amount of work in my field in Ohio. So that right. was kind of cool. But other than that, man, it's just, a, it's another, like, I think the thing is like, over the years, I've always thought cleansings and things like that should be instantaneous should be done overnight um but i noticed that like over like the older i get and the more that you and i work in this community um the more i realize that this type of thing really needs patience and time you know and that cleansing doesn't always happen or these these elements don't always fall in line right away they're step there's steps behind uh in it right well, and the interesting thing about that too is even if you're looking from a religious standpoint, from a Christian standpoint, um, a lot of times people believe that as well, that, oh, I've been exercised, you know, everything's cool now. Well, no, <laughs> you still have to work on yourself <laughs> and set that intention of you're not going to be going back into those paths that drew you to, to, uh, be possessed in the first place, but um, it it's really interesting to watch you go through this path because I've watched you go through being oppressed by whatever, call it a demon, call it a negative entity, whatever, um, and, and go through as much depression as you did, come back to faith, go the opposite direction, have a, a very, very um, opposite end look on things. And now you're, you're kind of somewhere in the middle. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's, again, I don't know if it's a good thing or, you know, what it is to be in the middle per se, you know, some will call the middle lukewarm, uh, you know, <laughs> depends on your perspective. Uh, one thing I do know is, you know, I spent a lot of time on both sides of the quote unquote spectrum. So now I'm just kind of like, you know, at 35 years old, I'm like, well, shit, got nothing to lose at this point. That's just, <laughs> that's just test the waters and see what we can find. Let's go swim for a swim. <laughs> Hopefully there's no monsters down in the depths, but you know. Well, so many people talk about the black and the white, but most of us, I should say, I shouldn't say most of us maybe half of us live in the gray. And I think mm -hmm. that's where you're at. Um, yeah. So we got a lot of great other uh, episodes coming up. We are working on getting, as we talked about last episode, some some other guests on other than uh, psychics and witches, which we absolutely love talking to all of, our, all of those guests, of course. Uh, but uh, we... Definitely want to mix it up since we are a paranormal show, not just a psychic show. Um, so we, we are working on that. And actually next week, uh, we're going to be having on Elena Danan about her book, um, Alien, I'm sorry, A Gift from the Stars, Extraterrestrial Contacts and Guide of Alien Races. So I'm super stoked for this one. Um, Eric had, had brought this one to my attention. And I think she goes really in depth with a lot of extraterrestrial uh, uh, species that maybe not everybody really knows about. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we're working on some cryptid stuff and some paranormal, uh, you know, ghost stuff again. So look out for all of those guests as well. Um, make sure you're checking out Evergreen Podcasts. And KillerPodcast.com, which have super great shows. Uh, Evergreen has other uh, stations as well, but those are the only two that I know of because that's what we associate with. Um, any other uh, housekeeping stuff that I'm missing there, Eric? Um, no, man. I think you got it all this time around. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, we do have some uh, swag sales coming up in April. Um, we just got that notification as well. Actually, uh, duh, 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 duh. Um, April 13th through the 17th and the 27th through the 30th, 
They're having a 35 to 40% off sale on Tee Public, um, and all teas will be $13 as well. So make sure you go to our Tee Public page. If you don't know where that is, you just click on the shop on paratruth.com. It'll send you straight there. Um, and if you don't have Paratruth swag, We've got some really interesting stuff on our, our Paris wag. Not just our own art, but we've shared some art from other people, um, other other T public pages, stuff like that. So check all those out. And then next week, folks, um, like I said, we'll have Elena Dunan. So until next week, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.